the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The Nick D Podcast here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. How are you? My name is Nick DeGilio. I am your host. Welcome to episode 93 of the Nick D Podcast. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you to everybody who subscribed. Please spread the word. And uh, hey, rate and review us. Take the time to give us some feedback uh, and uh, on what you think of the show and uh, what you think of the podcast. We want to hear from you. So please do that. Rate and review us on every platform, radiomisfits.com, where you can get all these other amazing, very cool, uh, and informative, and entertaining, and varied uh, podcasts all over the place. My thanks to Ed Sell and the family over at uh, Radio Misfits. Uh, so check us out there. Hey, be a sponsor on this podcast. Hey, hey, you think, hey, you know what? I'd like to advertise on the Nick D Podcast because lots and lots of people listen to this podcast. You will reach a lot of people. You want to be a sponsor? Contact us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, I want to be a sponsor. I want to be an advertiser. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast just in general as a subscriber with your questions, your comments, your contributions, your requests for the magic megaphone message? which has really turned into something that I don't understand, but you like it. And if you'd like a magic megaphone message, I speak into the megaphone, it comes out, and it's a specific thing that you want me to say or send to someone else, well, tell me what you want me to say. Drop an email. Uh, By the way, that email could be anything. Uh, Questions, comments, questions for Tom Appel or Herb uh, Weissbaum, our guys, uh, our TV, I'm sorry, our car and and consumer guys, or anybody else, anything else. NickDPodcast at gmail.com for any and all uh, communication, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a voicemail message system, which is up 24-7, anytime, any time of the day, any day of the week, 24-7. Leave your voicemail messages. Uh, please do. We want to hear from you. We want your feedback. 773-417-6948. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. I'm a main man who does all the music and the themes that you hear. He's the best. Uh, he's down in Houston. And my thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits. And here we are for episode number 93. It is a Tuesday. That means my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke at the very end of the show. My dad always likes to come up that back door, ring the bell, uh, say hello to this lovely Hi, woman. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Anyway, uh, and he tells a joke, so my dad will tell a joke later. And right around the same time, Esmeralda will be here a little later. Esmeralda Leon, who is my partner in crime who is the best. We're going to talk more, a little bit more about food marketing. We're going to talk about celebrity tippers. And we've got more crazy snacks directly from Japan that we're going to taste test. We've been doing that, and that's been a lot of fun. We like to have a lot of fun with food. And we've got a couple of megaphone messages that we're going to well, actually one megaphone message that we're going to get to. And that's all coming up with Esmeralda. Uh, Leon. Dan Feinberg is our guest right out of the gate. He joins me every other week. He's from The Hollywood Reporter, and he's got a website called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. We love to talk TV. And again, if you have any TV questions uh, that you would like to ask Dan, uh, you can leave them via voicemail at 773-417-6948 or email nickdpodcast at gmail.com with any questions or comments about TV. 
Dan can answer for you. He's with us every other week. So uh, Dan Feinberg is going to be joining us uh, immediately. Hey, by the way, again, one more time, we are uh, doing another live Zanies event, the Nick D Podcast Live. We had such a blast back in November that we're going to do it again, and it's going to be a monthly thing starting in January. So mark the date, Tuesday, January 17th at Zanies in Rosemont, another Nick D Podcast Live event. Surprise guest, interactive stuff. Uh, we'll be giving things away. We'll be recording it, and you will be part of a live podcast recording. So get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com. January 17th is our next live event. That's all coming up, but, uh, but uh, and of course, Hi, she I'm does Carrie love the Russell, show. and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, so all that is coming up right here on the podcast on episode number 93. Let's kick it off with Dan Feinberg after I say congratulations to you. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. All right. It is Dan Feinberg uh, with us every other week to talk about TV. There's always a lot of TV to talk about. Dan writes for The Hollywood Reporter, uh, and he has a website called The Fine Print. You can check him out at thefineprint.com. That's F-I-E-N. And Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you much, Nick, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Yes, the same to you. I understand we talked just briefly here before we started recording this, and I don't know if people know this or not, but this is a recording. <laughs> oh. oh my God, I broke the illusion. You have your, you are battling your first round of the Roni. You've got I, a little I, bit of the Covey. I am indeed. I, I went over to, to Europe, but across the pond and whatnot, yeah, uh, for a family bar and bat mitzvah in Paris. And that meant a lot of family togetherness, but also general togetherness. Also, many, many events where nobody was wearing masks. And yes, on the morning I was supposed to depart London, well, on the morning I did depart London, I finally got the two lines on a COVID mm. test. So uh, through a little happy party. And if at any point during this, I have to pause to cough up a lung, which mostly I should I should note, I have not been doing. Uh, mm. Everyone knows the reason why. Right. Okay. Well, you do sound a little bit. You, you sound a little bit uh, on the stuffy side. You sound a little different than you normally and, do. Yeah, and that's and that's really all it all it has been is is a little bit a little bit stuffy, a little bit spacey, which I probably could have been because of jet lag anyway. Right. Uh, you know, I, I definitely do have a reduced sense of taste, whatever difference that makes. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, that's totally okay because, as listeners will know, my taste is actually oh. pretty much perfect, and so you know, I can stand to have it blunted oh, a tiny, tiny that. bit. I'm sorry. I had this loaded up. There you go. Perfect. Um, perfect. All right. Well, uh, well, a, a quick recovery uh, on that, and uh, and I'm glad that you're all loaded up on the vax, and you're all good, and all that cool stuff. So indeed, uh, you'll be good in a few days. All right. Um, all right. Well, you know, I, I will say this: as we were discussing, you have a terrific job for having coronavirus. Uh, do we? Nobody calls it that anymore. Coronavirus. Uh, what are we? What are we doing here? COVID. 
um, because you watch TV. So you can still continue your job. You can write from home and watch TV. So you won't miss a minute of work, even though you are inflicted with the COVID uh, uh, virus. Which really makes me the poster boy for American capitalist uh, ingenuity. Um, I am I am still out there doing my thing, fighting right. through the Rona. Um, and right. I understand completely that many people cannot do that. And I am, God only knows, a privileged person. So I appreciate All right. That. Well, Dan's a little under the weather, but he'll be okay. All right. Well, uh, Dan, well, I'm, I'm, well, at least, I mean, your trip was, it sounds like it was a lovely trip, though, despite the fact that at the end of it, you caught coronavirus. What? How was your trip? I mean, was it a lovely trip? It sounds great. It, it was a fun trip. It's a, a lot of family, uh, but it's, you know, always better to get together with family for happy reasons than for Absolutely. sad or chaotic reasons. And, Absolutely. you know, there have been some of those over the years. And so, no, uh, good, good family time. Uh, Paris is Paris. London is London. I always enjoy going to London. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was, it was good. And, it, and good. we didn't really do anything at all for for Thanksgiving, which was totally also fine. And so, yes. Indeed. Now, when you do a, how long were you gone? Ten days, nine days. Ten days. Okay, so ten days. Uh, I I have to ask, how much TV did you watch in those ten days? Virtually none. And, and really? Like I, wow. Yes, totally. And I and I wrote. I I I had a number of things that I had watched where I was writing the reviews from from the road, as it were. Yeah. And yeah. so there was writing that I was doing. Uh, but in terms of watching, uh, I. A number of the screener sites didn't work, so that was a perfectly happy sure. thing. You know, there were a couple of things where I'm like, I'm going to watch this, and then I sat down and, oh well, yeah. can't watch it. Onward. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there there was there were a few things like that, but no, in terms of actual regular watching of TV or even screeners going forward, very very little. Okay, well, let me ask you this now. Uh, you know, obviously it's your job, but how is that for you as someone who watches so much television when you're go- when you when you don't watch for 10 days what had do you get the shakes what's what what, what, it's, what it's weird and disorienting and every once in a while i stop and think about okay well that means that i'm gonna get back and my entire weekend is going to be say hypothetically watching episodes of disney plus's willow and <laughs> that's just what it happened to be and unfortunately i can say no more beyond that because the embargo for disney right. plus's willow is uh right. is wednesday along with the premiere of the show yeah. but yeah so so it, it's one of those things where the release schedule is always looming um yeah. And but honestly, there you know th- these were long days of family stuff, and it got to the point where I would get back to a hotel room at uh, at eleven, and and there was just no time to gotcha. to think. Okay, I'd like to watch an hour of TV. No, right. it was it was pass out. So Move a true on. vacation, a true vacation. Good for you, man. Good of of you. sorts. I mean, not obviously. Uh, you know, in in my mind, a vacation should be one perfectly ideally where I, you right. come back feeling rested and better right. about things you. as okay. opposed to That's this having coronavirus right exactly right so okay. you know yeah. a, a vacation of sorts a, a step away and again i really i wrote there were uh, three reviews that i wrote uh and my now see this newsletter which comes out every friday came out both of the two fridays i was away and so one might never have known that okay. i was away except for except for public disclosures well, there you go. And you can read uh, Dan in The Hollywood Reporter and at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. And uh, tell, tell us about the uh, podcast that you do that drops on Fridays. Indeed, uh, the podcast I do every week that drops on Fridays but has taken two weeks off uh, now is called TV's Top 5. It is 
uh, Hollywood Reporter's regular weekly TV podcast, myself and Leslie Goldberg. She is a extraordinary reporter. I would say the best TV reporter in the biz. I would just say that, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'm not, so that's great. I'm a I'm a critic. I give my opinions on things. She breaks down actual news and analysis, and we talk about the big stories of the week. We interview showrunners each week, and and yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really really fun podcast. Some weeks you'll totally love and care about our, our the showrunners we interview. Other weeks you won't at all. Some weeks you'll discover somebody new and fresh. It's a it's a good podcast. It is uh, it is TV's top five, and it premieres on Fridays every week, basically, but we have taken the past two weeks off. All right. All right. Well, let's get to uh, some TV talk, because that's what we're all here for. Um, <laughs> we, we could just talk about coronavirus for a we full could, hour. Yeah, if you want to talk about it, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that could that could be fun. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was telling you off the before we started recording that I have somehow uh, avoided it, but I think I have had it. We've talked about this. Also, I think at the end of the day, everybody has like yeah. like there are there are plenty of people who have had, had it asymptomatically who didn't know. Yep. Or who basically just thought they had a cold one winter and it was a two day cold. And that's what it was. I, right. I think at the end of the day, most people have had it. And, right. you know, God bless most people. If they don't know that they've had it, that right. means that that they got it light. And so, yay. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that, you know, like the the period where I was convinced that I had it, because I may have had it a few times, uh, judging by, you know, thoughts and stuff. But but uh, coming back from the convention this past summer and feeling like crap, but but testing negative four times in four different four different tests, four different days. That seems a little weird to me. Uh, and I just think maybe the tests aren't aren't as aren't as reliable as one thinks. That's that's that was my thought. On the I thing. think you are probably correct about yes. that. Okay. All right. Well. Um. So let's let's talk some uh, let's talk some TV, uh, shall we? Uh. I, I, have you seen all? Because there's because there are now five episodes of White Lotus that have actually aired. Um. Have you and there's only seven total, so you've seen all seven, correct? I have not. I have still only seen the the five episodes they sent out ah. at the start of the season, and that is what I've seen. I don't. Last year, I, I'm trying to think no, if they sent the finale out initially as part of the initial run, or if I always got to the finale. I think they might have sent out all six out before the start of the first season. Mm-hmm. This year, they were running a little bit further behind on post production, and uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't. I think we've gotten the last two episodes okay. yet, so all I am right. so, I am right there with America, as it were. We're, we're all on the same boat, uh, as as it were. <laughs> as it were, I didn't even mean that. Seriously, I didn't even mean that. Uh, but the White Lotus, uh, I just can't explain how much I love it, and we've discussed my complete admiration and love, and a bit of obsession with Mike White and everything he writes uh, hits me on many levels, and I love this season um so much and i love everybody on it and there are are characters that i just you know there's something you know not for the most part a lot of the characters are are either really despicable or not very likable or kind of pathetic um but the character and i and i I don't i'm not familiar with the actor until he until this until this role and that's been the case with a few people in this i either they've they've done things that i'd never seen before i wasn't really familiar with them but the guy who plays Aubrey Plaza's husband, that character, I, he makes me, he infuriates me so much. And I know that's kind of the point with a lot of things that Mike White writes. He writes characters purposely to piss you off. 
<laughs> but every I can't stand this guy. I can't stand this character so much. He makes me absolutely nuts. Um, should I know this actor from anything else? Well, okay. So you should because he's incredible. And I don't know that, that people necessarily know how incredible he is. So so you're talking about the actor playing Will Sharp. That, that's Will Sharp, uh, who is playing Aubrey Plaza's husband on the show. And right. he is... He's a British comic-based actor on one level, and so people could know him from. Uh, he's been in a, he's been a lot of things where people might recognize him. Uh, he had a, a lead role in the very very good Netflix show uh, Jiri Haji. Um, but what's really interesting about him is his career as a writer director. He created and co-starred and wrote and directed every episodes of the British series Flowers, which is a really, really good, twisted, dysfunctional family comedy that I am 100% sure you would like. Uh, it is it yeah. is a great show. I have no clue where it is currently Okay. Existing. By the way, that sounds like a prerequisite to be in a Mike White thing. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, for sure. No, th- there is there is no question that Mike White loved Flowers. Yeah, I think okay. I think I think Mike White would absolutely say that. So, Flowers for for people who don't know, really just a twisted whatever, but featuring among other people uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, Julian oh. Barrett. It's it's a really good show. It premiered on CISO, which was a thing that existed at some point that no longer, I assure you, exists. And I I don't know where the second season ended up going. So anyway, he he did that. He wrote and directed and i haven't seen this so i don't i don't know and i've I've heard less good things uh the electrical life of lewis wayne that premiered uh Mm -hmm. last year at some film festivals that was Mm -hmm. him he directed every episode of the olivia coleman david thewlis miniseries uh landscapers which aired on hbo last year oh oh he did yes oh okay Okay. So so he he this is this is Will Sharp and he is he is only 36 is the other thing which I uh-huh. find, you know, kind of infuriating, but what yeah, can you course. do? Of course. Uh so yeah, he no, he he is incredibly talented and he's a very funny actor and he's also British so he's working against some of those tendencies. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, absolute absolute strong recommendation for people checking out Will Sharp's general career. Okay. Well, I need to find flowers now. I mean, you do. You, it, my god. Okay. Yeah, no, that that it feels to me like a sure thing Nick will like this show it is it is a dark and twisted and sad and morose family comedy oh good that's (laughs) all right well well clearly I've I've made it very clear I I guess I've made it very clear how much I like the you know what Mike White uh does so because that sounds like it would be something that would definitely be up my alley um but so this 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 second season of White Lotus I just think is amazing um one of the things that I love about it is that you know, and I love the first season, obviously. But for me, like the first season, during the first season, the gimmick of who is dead hovered over every episode. You know what I mean? It was, it was the thing that got you at the beginning. It feels like an afterthought in this one, and that's fine with me. Because it's brought up in the first scene of the, of the episode one. It's there. But it's not hover. It, you don't feel it throughout every episode. Like in the first one, there was always the gimmick of, ooh, is that person dead? Is that the person who died? Is this the person that died? And that's not really hanging over this season, at least the first five, well, the first five episodes. Do you feel that way too? Or I, I think that it depends on simply whether or not you choose to invest. Like I never for a second cared about who the body was in the first season. It just didn't matter to me. And the fact that the show worked so wonderfully without it mattering 
reflected on how well the show worked. So yeah. I don't I think once you know and once you've watched the first season and you know it matters, but it doesn't really matter. Right. I, th- I think that allows you in the second season to just simply say it doesn't matter and to go on with your life and to just yeah. enjoy these characters and also to accept that you'll be satisfied with whoever the body is because at the end of the day, all of these people probably deserve to be floating in the harbor and that that's, uh, <laughs> you know, or or the Americans do. The Italians, for the most part, are fairly innocent in such matters. Right. They're they're just right. trying to trying to live their lives and make a little money. So right. you, you can't really wish death upon them. But the Americans, pretty much all of them. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's because, like, and, and, and again, you know, it was always hovering for me in the first season but I didn't care and you know like you said I mean because I'm I'm I was drawn into the situations and the characters because I just love I loved it and it was kind of like oh yeah there's a mystery too but this one it's like they set it up at the beginning and then like all right okay we'll find out who it is and it doesn't really matter and you're right it could be anybody and it should be anybody um but uh but I I just want to say uh I I am loving I love the season and if it's following the same sort of structure like the last episode everybody's talking about the last episode the big reveal at the end of the last episode, which is, <laughs> which I guess is something that Mike White, I don't know if he's going to do this, if he's going to have like, um, <laughs> he's going to have somebody discover, like walk in on someone having sex, great or gay sex, uh, in both cases, uh, <laughs> in a very, in a very sort of shocking and weird way. Uh, the reveal it's this, it, he did the same thing. I think it was like right before the, the finale last season too. Was it, <laughs> it was it was set up almost exactly the same. Someone walks in the room and catches these two people who you didn't know, you know. And in this one, it's even more insane. Like, the, the reveal was even more insane. And I know that this is something that Mike White just doesn't care. You know, like, he's like, because I read an interview where he's like, yeah, I'm fine with it. And, and But I just thought it was hilarious that he's structuring things so similarly. Definitely, there are there are echoes. I've seen some people say that the entire thing is structured similarly, no, and no, no. I think you. Well, no, I, I and I think there probably are some similarities. I just, yeah. I think if you wanted to go through kind of storyline by storyline, and you could go, okay, well, here's here's why this character is deluded, yeah. why this character is deluded, and here's how it's being corrosive and blah blah blah. I think you could do that, but I don't think you you need to. And I think in both seasons, there's kind of the tyranny of heteronormativity, which is at the center of all of the love stories that allows there to be these, oh my God, people who are gay are having sex surprises. Right, 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 right. right, right. Whereas I think Mike's, well, Mike White's perspective, obviously, coming from Mike White's perspective, is this is just a thing that's happening and I yeah. happen not to be making fun of these things. Uh, right. But but I do think it's sort of, a, it's a way of exposing the specific kind of sexual mores that he is choosing to mock versus the kinds that he isn't. So yeah, yeah, it's obviously it's, it's a thing that is a part of his storytelling style and I, I like it very much. And I, I really thought this episode was, was terrific. And I thought the last two episodes in particular just really were ratcheting up the tension yeah. in yeah. a lot of great ways. I agree because it's a I, good show. No, I totally agree. And and uh, and and I have to say, you know, everybody in it is just great. But I got to say, um, it's been, you know, it's always a good year for Aubrey Plaza. Always, as far as I'm concerned, like every year is a good year whenever Aubrey Plaza does anything. I happen to be a huge fan, but this year has been an exceptionally strong year for her. Uh, you know, with some of the other stuff that she's done, she was terrific in Emily the Criminal, just fantastic in it. It was a great role for her, and she's 
magnificent in White Lotus. She's my favorite. She's my and of all the characters and of all the performances, and everybody's really great in it. She's my favorite. Uh, my favorite performance in the in the whole thing. She's so strong in it. She's excellent. I wouldn't necessarily be able to say who my favorite was because there are a lot of options. I think she's great. I think that the scenes that she's had with uh, Megan Fay have been great. Yeah, uh, because I think she's great. I think that you know, again, we last time we talked about it, we talked about my love for the uh, for the Italian actresses who are mm-hmm. all there and all superior. And we talked, I believe, about our shared love for the name Simona Tabasco, yes. etc. Yes. Uh, no, it, it's it's just really, really good. I'll be very curious to see. I guess I'm not as interested in the mystery. And so that's fine. But I don't quite have a feeling of where the series is is going in the last two episodes and i think i'm okay with that it doesn't yeah bother me yeah no i'm i'm, I'm great with it and god f mary abraham is so funny in it and all the the whole the whole thing about uh i i love the the you know the, he's not making it very subtle about the echoes of the godfather in it where they go to visit <laughs> the, the set of the godfather and where the where epilonia was killed and all that it's just all of this stuff just works on that great mike white level and there are t- and, and, and Jennifer Coolidge is having a great time. And, and again, like you, we talked about this before. I don't necessarily know if she needs to be there. She's great but, and brings out amazing stuff in Haley Lou Richardson, who is so good. Oh, my God. She's so good in it. Um, yeah, I, I just it's I just I love the guy. I love Mike White. And I'm, it, I'm just I couldn't be more pleased that like it, it's it's Mike White time in the world. I have no I have no problem with that at all. You know what I mean? Right there. Right there with you. Yeah. OK. Uh, all right. Listen. Hold on now, because the last time we talked, because it's been we've you know we we've missed our regular uh, our regular time to talk because you you were out getting the getting coronavirus uh, <laughs> on on the market for the Rona, yes, yeah, uh, the English. Um, I don't I don't think uh, I don't think you told me I don't think you warned me enough about how good this goddamn thing <laughs> is, um, and I'm blaming you for not telling me how just how unbelievable uh, this thing is. Um, for people who might not know, I, I really just want to pump this thing so people watch it. Um, we can discuss it, but tell everybody what <laughs> what the English uh, is. So the English is a six-part Amazon uh, and BBC Two original, and it is from writer-director Hugo Blick. Um, people may it, or may it, not. Hmm? But I was just going to say, and I, I, I looked him up because I didn't know his work, really. You know what I mean? Um, and I had no idea that he was the young Jack Nicholson, the Joker, in Tim Burton's Batman. Okay. Did you know that? Um, I, I swear I must he, have known it, but I he, had forgotten he, is what I'm going to say. He is. He's the young Jack. He's the Joker. He's the, he's the one who I believe yeah, I must, I must kills, have known Michael that. Keaton's, kills Michael Keaton's parents on camera. Yep, he, he's, he is, he he's is the, the, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale that, moonlight? That's Jack him. Nicholson. <laughs> like... What? You know, like he's a writer director and I'm like, wait a minute, he is the young Joker before he becomes the Joker in uh in, in Tim Burton's Batman. So there you go. Uh, I, I didn't people, know that. Yeah, but you could also uh, watch and probably enjoy the Honorable Woman, which was a miniseries he did a few years ago for, I believe, Sundance TV that had a great Maggie Gyllenhaal performance. Uh, he also wrote and directed Black Earth Rising for Netflix with Michaela Cole and John Goodman. He's. He's extremely talented. He really is. He and and this is a six part Western uh, set in the 1890s. And I don't understand why it hasn't gotten more 
buzz. I, I probably I definitely like it less than you do. I, I think it has storytelling clunkiness in the middle episodes. I think there's a middle problem that he just doesn't get here. I think it starts extraordinarily well. I think it ends extraordinarily well. I think there are two episodes in the middle that needed to be tweaked, but life goes on. Uh, the premise is basically a British lady arrives in the middle of America. She took the wrong way there and she arrives bent on revenge for her child's death. She's willing to do whatever it takes. She doesn't necessarily expect to return home. She teams up with a, a former U S soldier and member of the Pawnee nation uh, played by Chasky Spencer. And they make their way across the West encountering Random and grotesque and hilarious and terrifying people, many played by spectacular actors who sometimes appear for only an episode or two. So people like Kieran Hines, Toby Jones, Stephen Ray, uh, Rafe Spall shows up in the middle of the series and starts chewing scenery relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> um, but it's it's a movie that is so very much in love with the conventions of the Old West. It is it is stunningly shot. It is one gorgeous vista after another, um, all shot in, in Spain, uh, well doubling for the American Midwest. Emily Blunt is fantastic. Chasky Spencer is fantastic. I, I think the story becomes really pointlessly convoluted in the middle. And I don't understand why it needs to, because it's a very, very straightforward revenge story. But in the last couple episodes, when things get really dark and grotesque, I, I dug all of the weird things that it was doing and all the weird places it was going. And the, you know, someone on the, on the bright side, if no one's talking about it, it, you know, is a six episode and done series. There's no reason for it to go forward. So you don't need to worry about, uh, um, you know, what happens if you don't watch, right? It's not going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, so strongly recommend the English and no, not enough people have been talking about it. Well, people should be watching it cause it's amazing. I thought it was amazing. I, and I'm, a, I happen to be, a, uh, a huge fan of Westerns and, uh, I just, I love them. And this is, this is as good a Western piece as I've seen in many, 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 many years. And I'm, I'm such a big Western fan that I really I love the hell out of Walter Hill's Walter Hill's movie that came out this year that nobody saw Dead for a Dollar, which, you know, was made for a dollar. <laughs> but I still think like had such great because Walter Hill's made some amazing Westerns and is an incredible filmmaker. Uh, and, and I got a taste of that. I did not think that a miniseries with Emily Blunt was going to out Western a Western that Walter Hill made. You know, I, I just had no, I just did that blindsided me. I was like, wait a minute, wait, the best Western of the year is not a Walter Hill movie with, you know, Willem Dafoe and Christoph Waltz, but it's a miniseries with Emily Blunt. What? Uh, but the, but the Western genre is, is just fully, fully uh, examined in this in such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way. I, I and like you said, loaded with amazing actors and actresses in it and, and the vistas are beautiful. Um, I was, and, and yes, it does get a little, I agree with you. It does get a little bit needlessly, uh, too much going on here and there, but, but I was so enthralled with it. And yes, those, those last couple of episodes, man, when it gets really, really dark, um, I was with it a hundred percent. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I could not recommend it highly enough. 
Yeah, it's really good. The thing the thing I'd compare it to uh, most recently, I guess, would be Godless on on Netflix yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. from Scott Frank, yep. and which also which was another revisionist western with uh, a concentration on the female archetypes and and how they've been underserved over the years, et cetera, et cetera. Another yep. great cast, another uh, very very well done kind of a tourist piece of television from a sort of single-minded writer director uh but yes uh, definitely the english needs to get a little bit more yeah. discussion slash love i hope more people i hope more people uh, get a chance to watch it what 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 are we looking at in terms of like the possibility of emily blunt getting some recognition from the academy i think it's possible it's god it hey it's way too soon to know about yeah. emmys i i think yeah. probably there's a there's a good chance that you know, this is me. I'm rolling my eyes as I say this, but I think there's a good chance that she'll get a Golden Globe nomination and there's a good chance that she'll get a SAG Award nomination for it and that those will allow. I mean, for heaven's sake, she got a SAG nomination for The Woman in the Window. Uh, right, so, right, right, you know, right, right. ridiculous. <laughs> right. uh, and and the Golden Globes are what they are. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I, I, and I think those things will help because I do think they will help the visibility of the project, which, yeah. again, Emily Blunt yeah. is a star, yeah. and Amazon did not treat this as if they had a vehicle starring Emily Blunt. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, it was like, oh, what is this? You know, because I, I, they weren't really promoting it at all. I find I kind of like, kind of discovered it, and I went, oh, 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 what is this? Emily Blunt, uh, English. What is this? And then I had start wa- I'd started watching it when she appeared on on Colbert or Colbert show, but that seemed to be the only promotion that she did was one, you know, t- well, two segments on Colbert show. Seemed to be the only promotion that she did for it, at least in my world. Yeah, a little little strange. I don't. There, there's a lot of strange stuff that happens at Amazon with what things they put their weight behind versus what they don't, and the yeah. things they own entirely versus partially own, and other yeah. various logistical above my pay grade things uh yeah. th- but really and truly despite the convolution and whatever if if you like westerns and you like revisionist <laughs> westerns and that is a fairly mainstream genre yeah you will almost certainly like this it is not it, it's a, it's hard to understand in the middle here and there i the, absolutely yeah. granted but if you settle in to watch and you like the genre you yeah. will almost certainly like this there's no question about it and I mean, you're speaking to a person who loves westerns, and this is great, in yeah. my opinion. And and needs to be more people need to see it. Uh, Amazon needed to get more on the ball here. This is great, great stuff. If you're a fan of the western, you need to watch the English uh, on Amazon. Listen, Amazon put more behind the, their dumbass remake of Goodnight Mommy than they did uh, <laughs> the English. <laughs> and I was like, I heard more about that. Which is awful. Which was awful and unnecessary. And and yeah. And yet that got more play. And you know, Naomi Watts is just as you know. And I mean, you know, uh, Emily Blunt is just as big as Naomi Watts. You think they would get behind that as well? I don't know. It is. It is a mystery. It is. All right. All right. Okay. Listen, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I've been. It's it's been everywhere on my feed, and people are excited about it. And everything. What is your thought? What are your thoughts? And tell everybody on oh, Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday is of course uh netflix's new adams family type spinoff series or whatever focusing on the wednesday adams character uh Mm -hmm. who i guess you know a certain generation mostly associates with christina ricci and that's fine by all means you you folks associate things with what they want to associate them with right uh here we have aged wednesday adams up to a 
a sullen, gaudy teenager uh, played by the truly spectacular Jenna Ortega. So what and that's the thing I'm going to go with before anything else that I talk about about this show. Whatever my thoughts about Wednesday as a TV series, Jenna Ortega's performance as Wednesday Adams here is instantly character attached iconic. It is absolutely taking a character who other people have played in memorable fashion and saying, here is the version that I will think of of this character henceforth. So Mm -hmm. great performance from Jenna Ortega, who has been really assembling a tremendous resume in the past year. Some people will know her from uh, the horror film X, uh, in which she was not really the most interesting part of the ensemble, but she was kind of the the semi pro the wide eyed innocent protagonist yep. as such yep. things go. Yep. She was also probably basically the lead in the most recent scream movie. Uh, but other people will know her as young Jane, the Virgin from Jane, the Virgin. And she was in the second season of you on Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So right. anyway, I, and I, I happen to be, as you know, I happen to be a, a fan of the horror genre. So I've loved her, you know, for the past couple of years. So yeah, no. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. and she's done, and she's done a diverse and interesting yeah. assortment of work. So I think yep. that, I think that there's no question that she has a, an audience that knows her. This, however, is the first time that anyone's been kind of putting her face on a poster and saying, okay, yeah. Jenna Ortega, deal with it. And it seems like people have been. <laughs> right. Uh, because who wouldn't want to deal with Jenna Ortega? So right, the, the, right. the premise of the show basically is Wednesday Adams gets in trouble in her public school. She gets sent off to basically Hogwarts. Uh, she gets sent off to a school for special gifted individuals. Uh, if you want that to be Hogwarts, it can be Hogwarts. If you want it to be whatever the school was in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it can be that. It can be... Mrs. Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children, which would be appropriate because the first four episodes of Wednesday are directed by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Mrs. Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children or whatever it is, while a highly imperfect movie, I am not going to attempt to tell anyone that it is a great movie. It is still a lot more Tim Burton-y than Wednesday on Netflix. Um, either he requires more money or more time or whatever yeah. to fully cement his style. Yeah. Here, there are moments that are very Tim Burton-y. Then there are long stretches that are fairly generic. And then the last four episodes, which are directed by other people, you honestly, for the most part, would not notice that there was a passing of a baton, which you know should not necessarily happen when you have a director as distinctive as Tim Burton. Uh, the series itself, it is from... The creators of Smallville, primarily, so Alfred Goff and uh, Miles Millar, and it does, as a result, feel a little bit CWE, and it's very plot-driven, and I would say it's more plot-driven than I need a show like this to be, really all I want in this show, and the things that work best for me in this show are simply when Wednesday Adams is being dark and snarky about high school-related things, and I think that's great. But then there's also a mystery involving a curse and a giant monster and other things that, eh, whatever. Also, not really funny enough, uh, in part because it's a show created by the guys who did Smallville, which oh, right. whatever right. whatever Smallville right. is, it was not a particularly <laughs> funny show. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, like, you go back and you look at those Adams Family movies from the 90s, the Barry Sonnen film, films, and the second one, for whatever reason, is the one that people seem to love, and this being Adams Family Values, and part of why they do is because Paul Rudnick's script oh. for that movie... It's just a lot of very funny one-liners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm and, a huge and, I'm a huge fan of Adam's Family Values, and I'm a hu- I'm a huge fan of Paul Rudnick. I am. I, you know, if you huge. if you want someone to give caddy punchline one liners yep. to a script, the yep. guy can do it. Yes, and <laughs> and I don't think that anyone is comparably adept here. And I kind of wish that they could have gotten any number of other writers to just do a punch up, honestly, to someone someone with with comedy chops to come in, add a few actual tight punchlines to episodes. And I think it would have been a vastly better series. And I hope second season they do that. Um, But ultimately, more than anything else, it is great watching Jenna Ortega in this role. She is delightfully funny and very, very subtle when she needs to be, very broad when she needs to be. And the supporting cast is full of good people. You have Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia in a couple episodes, uh, Luis Guzman as Gomez Adams in a couple episodes, but really very much supporting roles. That is that is not what this is. Similarly, Fred Armisen shows up for one episode as Fenster. <laughs> that is that is one episode and nothing else. So, yeah. but Thing is around the entire time. Pretty solid special effects on that one. Yeah, it, in general, I think it's probably a a three star show with a four star central performance and okay. nothing too wrong with that. And it's also, it's only eight episodes. It's right. uh, they're, they're pretty quick episodes. So if you just want to watch it to enjoy what Jenna Ortega is doing, I strongly endorse that. Cool. All right. And I, I've, I don't know why I've been putting it off, but I think I'm going to put it off just because when I have like a stretch where I can just watch the whole damn thing, I'm going to do it's, that. You know, like really seriously, do not over invest in it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and do not over expect, but you know, ex- expect a couple little bits of of dark mirth and yeah. a very good performance at the center. And I'm a f- I'm a big fan of hers, so that's the that's ultimately what the draw is for me. So, and and uh, that and so then you absolutely should watch it. Just adjust expectations. Gotcha. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mention uh, Adam's family values because the the summer camp Thanksgiving scene is on every for the past week has been on everybody's you know social media uh, feeds. Just people love that, you know, to, to post the scene. And it's still one of the funniest things for me. That whole story of the first Thanksgiving that is led by uh, Wednesday in that Adam's Family Values is still one of the funniest things, I don't know, ever. It is, I, it is a great scene. And I feel like a lot of the warmth that people have for that character, just sort of top and bottom in those two movies, comes from that really and truly just that one scene. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of, uh, of, of Rudnick. I like his plays. I'm a really big fan of in and out like a huge ridiculous fan of that movie like kind of like i think it's a perfect comedy (laughs) i you know so i don't know a lot of it has to do with frank oz because frank oz is such a great comedic director and everybody in it is so good um from top to bottom i that's that's to me that's one of those movies well are you a fan of in and out I not not a huge fan, honestly. I I like, but I like the performances. A lot of great, lot of great actors. A lot of great yeah. performances. Yeah. Um, to to me, even at the time, it felt kind of almost instantly dated. And yeah, um, I I have not watched it in twenty years, I would guess. And I, I don't necessarily know that I would want to. I think I would yeah. be afraid of how it would play today. But who knows? Oh, well, it obviously would play differently now. Uh, but it does play differently now. I it's to me, it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, I don't know. Because to me, In and Out is is. I actually think it's kind of a perfect comedy. I think if if you want to see like how a perfect comedy is structured, it's only like eighty nine minutes, and it's loaded with like really funny stuff. I happen to be a fan of his writing, and yes, it is sort of but um chump. It's it, it, there is a, a lot of a lot of this. 
in uh, in 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 the stuff he writes. But for some reason, like it, In and Out hooked me, and 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 everybody in it is so good. And obviously, you know, Joan Cusack got nominated for Academy Award for it, but I think everybody in that movie could have been nominated uh, for awards. And it just it just it's a movie that destroys me. Um, so I just like I just like the way he writes. I do. I think he's a, I think he's a funny guy from a a particularly funny Jewish comedy borscht belty tradition, and I think yes. he does it extremely well. Yes. Um, all right. Well, Wednesday. That's on Netflix, uh, so we can check that out. Okay. Uh, speaking of funny guys, look at this. You see how I segue? This is this is how this is why I'm a broadcast of uh, 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 you know a classic here. Uh, uh, Dan. Legend. 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 Is the word you were looking right. for that's that you did, that you didn't for. want to apply to yourself. I understand. Right. I will right. apply it for you, Nick. You know who's a funny guy? Shaquille O'Neal. See where we're going with this? Ooh, I did not necessarily know where you were going with that. Uh, I mean, even even knowing the things that I've written about and reviewed lately, I was not sure what the transition was going to be. No, I just, I, you know, uh, I think Shaq's very funny. I think he's a funny guy. Um, uh, but uh, Shaq is a documentary about, well, obviously Shaq. Uh, well, tell us about the new HBO documentary about Shaquille O'Neal. I believe you just pretty much covered everything there is to know about okay. it, which is to say that it is indeed a documentary about Shaquille O'Neal, and it is, yeah, it's it's a lot of Shaquille O'Neal. And if you are a person, like apparently yourself, who finds Shaquille O'Neal funny, that does not necessarily mean that you also find him interesting as a subject. So that would be kind of the yeah. question. No, that, that I think there's a difference. I don't know if I'm necessarily ready for... How long is this? Is it, it a, is, one part? It is four episodes. Okay, okay that's a little um, much, I think. <laughs> and, the first, and the first episode is an hour, and then the next three are 45 minutes. So, okay. you know, whatever. Right. And it is, it is yet another documentary which at least in part is about the Los Angeles Lakers and a recent basketball dynasty so for people who have been keeping track there was winning time of course on HBO which was the scripted version right and then there was the Magic Johnson centric version they call me magic there was a legacy on Hulu which was all about mostly the bus family but covered all of the various dynasties including the 80s and then 90s Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant dynasty so it's a lot of the same material from those documentaries and a lot of the same people as talking heads and I'm kind of tired of hearing Magic Johnson and Jerry Buss and uh Jeannie Buss and um Jerry West rather Jerry Buss that's Jerry West um But uh, I'm I'm kind of at this point tired of them telling the same stories and so there's some fatigue there also the first episode is largely focused on Shaquille O'Neal being drafted by the Orlando Magic and the the Orlando Magic uh, Shaq and Penny dynasty that never was. And that was already the focus of a, of a so-so 30 for 30 documentary. And then it gets to the fourth episode and the fourth episode is all about Shaquille O'Neal as kind of a businessman and whatever, which was the exact same focus of the fourth episode of the Magic Johnson documentary. It's a lot of repeated stuff. Mm. And what it has going for it is that Shaquille O'Neal really is a very, very good and compelling centerpiece to a documentary. And he is he is funny. He is unapologetic. He is sometimes candid and sometimes not. And you mm-hmm. can always tell when he doesn't want to talk about things. And probably the documentary suffers from that. But there's a, there is just enough that is fueled by his personality within it. So a couple of the episodes are structured around things like 
uh, video games and um, animation, sort of the things that matter to Shaquille O'Neal and that are part of his pop culture vocabulary. And so there's an episode that's built around kind of little silent film flourishes. It's never really made clear if Shaquille O'Neal watches silent movies and if he's for some reason a large silent movie fan, but it just is what it is. So there's some attempt to give it a personality to not be dry. And and I do appreciate that because most of the time I watch these documentaries and I go, man, you, you couldn't infuse any of your subject's personality in this documentary at all. Mm. Here they do. So I give credit for that. I would still say four hours of a story of four hours of multiple stories that you've heard told multiple times. It's a lot but it's not unentertaining. And if you are willing and interested in sitting there for four hours of story time with Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq could be entertaining for you. But God only knows if 2023 has as many Lakers-based documentaries as 2022, it is going to be a freaking disaster. <laughs> okay. All right. So Shaq is on HBO now. But if you've not OD'd on the Lakers, then maybe you want to check it out. Okay. All right, uh, and uh, real quickly, uh, Fleischman is in trouble. Unbelievable cast. It's on Hulu. Uh, let's hear about that. Yes. Have you? Uh, did you watch any of it yet, or Not are yet. you waiting? I am waiting as well uh, for that one. I like it very much. It is. It is uh, like the book, which is by Taffy Brodesser Agner, and which was a a bestseller last year. It is very much a kind of sensibility wavelength kind of piece. So it comes from a. Uh, particular Upper West Side, I think Upper West Side, maybe Upper East Side. I'm not a New Yorker. This is none of my business. Who cares? Uh, Jewish background, all of the characters, all of the storytelling. And so there's a a certain annoyance and and self-inflicted, self-lacerating sense of humor that some people will either instantly relate to and go, ah, I I love my Philip Roth novels. I love all of this. This is my kind of storytelling world. Or you're going to go, these characters are all insufferable, horrible people, and I don't want to spend time with them. I don't think either reaction is wrong. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I think that the second reaction is intentional. And so if you take it as being unintentional, maybe that's wrong. But anyway, it's about the the decomposing marriage between characters played by Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes, who are both terrific. Plus um, his best friends from college played by Lizzie Kaplan, who is spectacular and Adam Brody, who is very good. And it's told through a, an interesting and fragmented perspective that, um, that again is, is somewhat off putting if you don't follow along with what it's doing. I think that it is sometimes very, very funny. I think that it is often very sad. And given that these characters are, are roughly my age, I also find it extremely relatable in many ways. Uh, and, and yeah, mostly, mostly it just worked for me, but the book also worked for me and it is a very strict adaptation. Uh, Taffy Brodesser Ackner, uh, adapted almost all of the series herself. Mm. Uh, very, very solid series of um, directors, largely married couples, which I think is an amusing twist. Oh, so, okay. yeah. uh, so more. So half of the episodes are directed by Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton, and then Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini directed a couple of the others. So, I really like it. I think it captures a certain tone and a certain world extremely well. And really the performances are all top notch, top to bottom. 
Well, it's a, you can't argue with that cast. That's a terrific cast. So it's uh, it's yeah. really great. I'll I'll be I'll be interested to hear more people's reactions to it as it as it goes along because okay. it's it's definitely one where it's not really a mystery, but people kind of have been treating it as a mystery. I've seen some right. reviews compare it to Gone Girl, which I think is a ridiculous comparison. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a superficial comparison in that yes, the main character's wife does kind of go missing. Right, yeah. Full, full and, stop. If that, that that's the only Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg was in a David Fincher movie, and that's, Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> was in a David Fincher movie. <laughs> right. But okay. in general, I do not think these are intended to be similar pieces. Except, you know, you accept the inherent waspiness of of David Fincher's worlds in comparison to the very very Jewishness of this world. I, you know, you can put them parallel. I just wouldn't make a comparison between them because I don't think if you like one, you will like the other. I don't gotcha. think that is a fair comparison in that gotcha. respect. Okay. All right. Lots of great stuff there uh, that you can check out or not check out. Uh, and you can read about all of it at The Hollywood Reporter and check it out at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Uh, anything, uh, it, you know, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Anything that you're going to be uh, able to talk about then that you're watching now? Uh, sure. Uh, well, watching watching lots of stuff. A uh, thing I'm, I'm looking forward to watching as soon as we get off of this podcast recording is I'm going to go watch the second season of the HBO Max comedy, uh, sort of, which got... No real notice in its first season, but the people who watched it loved it. Okay. It is a a character about a, a non-binary, it, for that character, a comedy about a non-binary Canadian character who's in the middle of a very strange domestic situation. It's It's got a very specific, very interesting voice. The first season did a, a wonderful job of letting a bunch of people who hadn't done television before established that they could do television i'm looking forward to seeing how the second season expands mm. the world the show premiere the show returns on december 2nd and the first season is all already available on hbo max and folks should check it out okay all right and we'll hear more about that uh next time well feel better uh dan and uh and we will talk to you uh, the next time and hopefully you'll be completely covid free I am looking forward to it and now i am gonna go cough by myself <laughs> all right dan thanks buddy Talk to you later. There you go. Dan Feinberg, uh, get, get well soon, Dan. Always great to talk TV with Dan. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Hey, it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Oh, there it is. It is. It's time for Esmeralda Leon, who's my buddy. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. You know, it's uh, it's happening. Things are in the world. I don't know what the hell that may have no idea. <laughs> yes. Yes, they know. are. I mean, uh, <laughs> we have more Japanese uh, candy and snacks to taste test. Although, Esmeralda, the one that we picked to taste test, you lost. You lost a little nugget. It of... disappeared from my desk. <laughs> so who are the so suspects? I don't know who, who your cat or with your, it. Your, your cat or Colin, obviously. You don't have, yeah. you have a, you have a cleaning? I asked Colin, and he said he didn't see it. So 
Oh, Who okay. knows? So it's a mystery. <laughs> you have a ghost? Do you yeah. have a ghost in your apartment? Maybe. Oh, cool. Maybe. Who likes little Japanese candies? Little Japanese candies. But then they would have taken the whole bag, you'd think. Of course. You would think, because we have like a like six pounds of candy. By the way, we also have a whole bunch of Japanese-flavored uh, Kit Kat bars that yes. have been sent to us over the weekend. So we'll taste test some of those, too. Um, and I did sneak a couple of those. I taste. I, I actually did taste mm-hmm. test a couple. I did taste because there were more than one of the flavor. So I thought, okay, because okay. <laughs> I like. Are, I I, I like, can eat them all. I like Kit Kats very much. I have a weakness for them, and so when I saw the flavor Kit delicious. Kats, I was like, ooh, that could oh, be because because we did the gingerbread. Well, don't say anything about. How I won't they taste. I will be. I will be very quiet about. It. But we did do the gingerbread. We did taste test the gingerbread Kit Kats at our last. Um, Nick D live podcast event. Mm-hmm. That's Zany's. Nice. They were tasty, yeah. very tasty. Um, hey, by the way, let's get the uh, megaphone message out of the way. Can, by the way, we're backlogged on them. I can only I can only do one oh, per, wow. per episode. I can only do one per episode because my my yeah. magic megaphone can only record one message at a time. So I want right. I don't want to be recording it while I'm on the air. I want to do it off the air and press the play button and you know what I mean. So we're backlogged now. I'm three behind. That's oh, that's boy. that's how popular. Yikes! <laughs> this stupid thing has gotten supply chain issues. <laughs> that <we're having. laughs> that's what it is. We got a megaphone, magic megaphone supply chain issue. I'm I keep backing into a dock, and then I try to turn, and I and I bump into something <laughs> else, and I, it's very difficult. But anyway, so thank you for your response to the magic megaphone. And again, if you want me to. Have a magic megaphone message sent to you specifically. Email me what you want to say, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948. Let me read the email that is associated with our magic megaphone of the week, or Mm -hmm. of this episode. Okay, Okay, are you ready? This is from Natalie. Um, And Natalie says, hi, Nick. I was at the live podcast, and I had a great time. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming out, Natalie. And thanks to everybody for coming out. Um, and yeah, oh, and by the way, if you want to come again, we're going to do it monthly and it'll start up again. Our next one is January 17th, Tuesday, January 17th, Zanies in Rosemont, which will be our home base. So if you want to come out, we'll do some taste testing. We'll have surprise guests. It'll be interactive. It'll be fun. And it'll be me and Esmeralda on stage having a great time with a surprise guest and all that stuff. My dad will tell a joke. So everything you missed out on, if you didn't come in November, we're doing again. And if you did come and you loved it, we're going to do it again. It's going to be different, but again. So January 17th. So uh, she said, I tried the peppermint peeps and the gravy soda. <laughs> that soda was, it was, it had a taste, but I didn't mind it. Like, it's not a, it's not a, you spit it out like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, it, I didn't, fi- it I didn't find it pleasant. I didn't find it pleasant. It's, yeah. It's not nothing. I don't, I, I don't want to drink that with. No. I don't want to eat a sandwich and have that. And have a nice... Although nice... you'd think that would work because gravy, but no. To- it's, it was turkey turkey and gravy Jones soda is what we mm-hmm. inflicted yes. upon our crowd. Uh, she said, but I never saw the candy cane somehow. <laughs> well, we didn't... We had a limited amount. We did have the Fruit Loops and candy canes. we were giving them away whole, so... Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we had the Fruit Loops candy canes and the... Uh, well, we had the mac and cheese, but there was another one, too. What was the other... Uh, no, it was just it was just. It was uh, just Fruit Loops. I thought we had one Fruit more. Fruit Loops and Fruit Loops uh, and uh, mac and cheese. I believe. okay. All right. Okay. I thought we had a different. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but we had the Peeps. If and we did, nice. I didn't try it. I didn't try <laughs> okay. any of the Peeps. 
those got away from me. I, yeah, I tried one. I don't like Peeps, but they were... Neither I mean, do I. They're nasty. But so. I like peppermint. Yeah, they they tasted like Peeps. They tasted like... Well, they tasted like styrofoam with peppermint. That's basically... Mm. because It's a Peep, Esmeralda. It's fucking right. styrofoam. Um, anyway, she says, I was listening to your recent podcast with Jim Ryan. And so Jim Ryan, who uh, you know, he was also at our mm-hmm. event. He was, yeah. He is our music guy. He comes on and talk, reviews concerts and talks about music and interviews and all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, we, we were talking a little bit, and um, ultimately, this is what she wanted me to say, and we'll explain it, because it ties, I'll explain it from her email, because it ties into Jim's last appearance last week. Oh. Okay, so are you ready for the megaphone? Yes. Oh, shit. What did I just do? Okay. Was that no, you that or was me? me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was trying to slyly pick up a chapstick I have sitting here, and okay. it <laughs> fell out. It was, I was doing like a pick-up stick situation in between wires. And well, chapstick. it's interesting. The timing of that couldn't be better, because I was reaching over, and I picked up the megaphone as that sound happened. I mean, it could not have been, <laughs> could not have been more perfect. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, this is Natalie's uh, message that she wanted to do. Here's the magic megaphone. Here we go. It's the Sears Tower, and it always will be the Sears Tower. It's the Sears Tower, and it always will be the Sears Tower. So, there, there, yeah. It's the Sears Tower. Yeah, all right, okay. And it always will be the Sears Tower. Right, okay, all right. So. I couldn't even tell you what it's called. Okay, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah, no, it's the it's the Willis is what you you were trying to think oh, of. Like, yeah, they yeah, yeah. they want us to call it. That. I know. Well, you should. Yeah. Um, but here's what she said. I was listening to your recent podcast with Jim Ryan, and you were saying that the Byline Bank Aragon Ballroom. By the way, are you, do you know that the official name of Aragon right now is actually yeah. now the Byline Bank Aragon Ballroom? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was looking up. I was around the area. <laughs> Yeah. And I was looking up what show was playing, and I saw that that's what it said. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. And I realize that everything is corporate sponsored now, and you, you know, but just the, the fact of the, the things that I've done in that building and the things that I've witnessed, <laughs> witnessed, uh, it should just. So, anyway, we talked about, Jim and I have talked about it, about, and every time we mention the Aragon, we mention that it's now called the Byline Bank Aragon, and we just joke about it because it's the fucking mm-hmm. Aragon, it's the brawl room. Um, and we just called it and she says, yes, uh, it should be called the brawl room or the Aragon. I agree. Cool names or historical names should stay the same. Like the Sears tower is now the Willis tower. I still call it the Sears tower and I always will. And I was wondering if you could do a megaphone, megaphone thing for me. (laughs) She doesn't even know what the thing is, what the thing is called. (laughs) If you could do a megaphone thing for me and say, it's the Sears tower. It always will be the Sears tower and emphasize Sears both times. I think it would be fun to hear you saying that in your magic megaphone. Well, there so that's you go. what I did. There it is. Wish, wish granted. And and your wish can be granted too. And if your wish, if your wish <laughs> is to actually have me say something into a megaphone, you got a sad life. But I will do it. <laughs> wow. Yep. It's the Sears Tower, and it always will be the Sears Tower. That's right. So. It's anyway. The Sears All right. Tower. Shut up. Uh, and then it says, P.S. Your dad was so great at the live event. I told him so, and he gently said I was so nervous. And I said, You did great. Uh, what a fun night, and I hope to attend your other live shows. And my birthday is this weekend. I hope to hear this request made. Um, oh, so uh, my guess is that her birthday. birthday was just this past weekend. So happy birthday, Natalie. And then she says, Thank Nick. thanks, Nick. And maybe on one of your shows or at one of your shows, you could do some of your impressions. I don't know what that 
You have impressions? See, that's that. I guess I do. <laughs> I guess you'll have to elaborate, Natalie, because even he I, doesn't know which I, impressions. I get maybe McConaughey <laughs> is an impression because I do McConaughey. Okay. Um, I do Roy, Roy Leonard. Hey, man, how's it going? I do that. I do maybe. Him. Although you did do, didn't you? Kind of do. You did Gary Roy Busey? at the at the first one and Gary I, Busey. <laughs> I did Gary Busey and Roy. You know, I get. I used to do Bill Cosby. I don't know if that one flies anymore. You know what mm. I mean? I don't know. I don't know if I should do. Right. I don't know if I should do my. Bill no one Cosby. really wants to hear. I don't know him if anymore. I want to bust up. I don't know if I want to bust up my Louis C.K. and Woody Allen imitations either. Right. Those, those might not. Those might <laughs> wow, not, those you really. Might not, I got some good ones there to imitate. I got, I got a very good Army Hammer imitation. I don't know if people <laughs> I do Danny Masters from the 70s show. I, 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 I guess I just specialize in, uh, <laughs> in guys I shouldn't be doing impressions. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I used to do uh, a Cosby. I don't know. I've done imitations in the past. What have I? Okay. I can't remember what I've done. I don't know. Hey, remind me. If you're, if you're a longtime listener, sometimes I just... When I'm telling stories, I'll do an imitation, and then some. Like I remember people right. saying, "Hey, that's pretty good," and I'd be like, "I don't even know I had it," you know. So if I do imitations that you want to hear, remind me which ones they are. <laughs> I think the only one that I that I do consistently is uh, is uh, is Matthew McConaughey. Man, that's the only one that I kind of do with any consistency. Right. So hmm. I don't know. And does Captain <laughs> Whammo count? Yeah, man, Captain Whammo. Oh boy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. With the oh, yeah. What is it? Yeah, man. Yeah. What? line. The Whammo line. Yeah, yeah man. The Whammo line. Captain Whammo and the Whammo lion. There you go. And he used to get two <laughs> syllables out of the word line. Two syllables out of the word line. Captain, call up the Whammo lion. Well, you gotta, you gotta use up the time, you know. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, the schedule, and sometimes you just need a couple seconds. <laughs> well, if you know of my, if if remind me of some of the imitations. I think I've done imitations in the past. I've been told that I've done a few. I don't remember. I don't. Remember. I didn't. Not like I write them down. They just kind of. <laughs> I don't know. But if you uh, okay. if remind me which ones I do, so okay, they must be very memorable, Esmeralda. You've worked with me since 2015. You don't remember any and of them. And I couldn't so- tell you. <laughs> it's like which I don't know. <laughs> But then again, you don't even know. I don't even exactly. The one that does them, I'm, so. I'm, just, I'm no Frank Caliendo. Is that that guy's name, Frank Caliendo? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's Hi, show. Hi, Carrie. Carrie, do I do any invitations that you can Hi, remember? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Well, and all right. I mm. love Nick's show. Okay. Yeah, she loves Nick's show. All right. I can do Abe Vigoda. I think I broke my ass. All right. Very good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, so you know, um, I was getting uh, some responses, like uh, from 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 people about the, who thought that the 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 last conversation that we had about uh, uh, you know the food, the McDonald's thing. Mm-hmm. People thought that was very very funny, and I wanted to mention okay. to people that you posted <laughs> sure. that you actually because of our conversation, yeah, and and me telling you about 40 years ago when I worked at McDonald's and how we used to like, you know, shoot tartar sauce at each other and throw shit around and make, you know, uh, hacks off the menu that we, we used to make and stuff. And, and I told you exactly and specifically how a filet of fish was made. You actually went out and got a filet of fish. Yeah. Among other things. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, what was it? Okay. So you did a I was run. Like, the- I was looking at the menu. I'm like, 
Yeah. All fish, and then I got one. So what did you? What do you? What? Did, what? So so what? What else did you get? You went on a McDonald's run. Were there other things in the in the bag that you got? Yes. Well, I get um. I, I usually get uh the chicken nuggets, and uh just a plain cheeseburger, like a little one. Yeah, regular cheeseburger. Since I'm already having the chicken nuggets. I'm like, yeah. Mm, let's also get a burger. <laughs> right, but you don't want to have too much. What's that? Uh, you don't want to have too much. You know, like you, true. You, you, get, you got your nuggets already. You know. Yeah. But I was tell I was telling you how uh, the the filet fish was prepared. The bun is steamed, unlike any other bun that uh, that you know of any sandwich. Um, you get yeah. a dollop of t- of uh, a tartar sauce. You get a half slice of cheese, and then the filet mm-hmm. itself. And uh, and I've always loved the filet fish. Now the, here's the problem with getting a filet fish. And I saw that there were some responses on your instagram and on your yeah, facebook people weren't into it <laughs> well here's the problem with getting a filet of fish someone said i had one and it was inedible and blah 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 here's the problem with getting the filet of fish if you do not get the filet of fish during lent you are not going to get a fresh filet of fish and i'm just telling you that right now mm. you know what i mean although wouldn't you wait what does that mean that means that what does fresh the, mean fresh means one that's just been made i don't know if they if that's well when i okay again i worked there years ago so See, I would think the opposite because they don't have them on deck well, because people don't really order fillet of fishes. Y- yeah, well the thing is like you would when okay, this again this is the, completely different now than I guess it was when I worked there because 40 years ago when I worked there, you would never want any item empty in the bin, in the heating bin. Mm-hmm. So you would always want at least two fillet of fish sandwiches in the bin, so they'd be there when someone ordered it. And you were supposed to throw them out after twenty minutes. You would put a number on wow. the, so you would slide I a would number. Hope they don't do that. Well, well, that's how we did it when I worked there, and I don't think they do anymore because they, you know what? We, there's not there, when I worked in the seventies, or I'm sorry, in the eighties when I worked there, um, there were no microwaves in the building, none. Mm. So, so you don't nuke anything. Now they can nuke whatever. You know what I mean? They could take a piece of food and just throw it in the microwave and, and give it to you. But we did right. not have microwaves back then. So what they had was you, would, you never would want an item empty in the bin. You would always want, you know, you would always want like five cheeseburgers or five hamburgers or some Big Macs, always ready. And when you were finished making them, you would throw a, a metal card at the back. So if it were like, let's say I would throw a metal card. Let's say it was 3 p.m., okay? Mm-hmm. I just made five cheeseburgers. I put them in the bin and I put a 20 behind the number 20 because mm-hmm. at 320, you have to toss them. So people know how fresh it is. So you would go in if like, let's say you right. walked in, you know what I mean? So if I put, let's say it was 310, I would put a 30 and so on and so forth. So, so that way, you know, if it's fresh now, what I used to do is, <laughs> <laughs> and what everybody used to do was, especially for filet of fish, because you didn't want nobody really bought them. Nobody really ever bought them. It, like I said, the only time there was ever um, a rush for filet of fish was Lent. That was the only time. Mm-hmm. So we would put a couple of filet of fish in the bin and then just keep changing the numbers. We wouldn't change them. <laughs> wow. So, so instead of, <laughs> so if I made it wow. at 320. <laughs> and we hit, th- and I made it at three o'clock, and it would expire at three twenty, and I'd put a twenty on there. At three twenty, I'd put a forty. You know what I mean? I would switch, not not change the sandwich. <laughs> so, it, cool. so the managers, the managers would come by. <laughs> the managers would come by and go, and they would look at the numbers and go, "Oh, those are fresh, or there's still ten minutes left on that." But we would switch out this if we didn't feel like cooking anything. We would switch out the numbers, and the sandwiches would be like forty five minutes old, 
or to an hour well, an hour. Good to know. So, <laughs> so anyway, the people who are getting the fillet, my, 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 here's what I think you should do the next time. If you ever order, well, first of all, did you like it? Did you like the fillet? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had a fillet of fish before. It's just, it's it just been, been a, while. a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. If you want like the best filet of fish experience for your, <laughs> for your money, uh, either order it with like, here's the thing. If you want to make sure it's fresh, uh, mm-hmm. say I want extra cheese or, uh, like no tartar sauce and then they have to make it, they have to make it fresh and then you can, right. You know what I mean? So yeah, it'll be fresh. That's also you can do that with the fries, right? If you say no salt, no salt, you have to make yes. you. Oh, is that a pain in the ass? Oh, See, is that now a pain in the where, ass? This is where. Okay, this is this is my issue. I would never do that because of that. Yeah. Because it is a pain in the ass. Right. Even like I would never. No, it's a gamble. I am gambling here. And I may or may not get something that's kind of lukewarm. I, right, right. But, <laughs> or I get something amazingly fresh. You know, it's a gamble. When I showed I, up, no, what time, yep, you know. Yep. But, I, but I'm just saying this. The next time, if you don't want to be, you know, that person who orders special shit, because that's always a pain in the ass. Especially, and, yeah. and I don't think people realize how much of a pain in the ass it is when you order fries with no salt. Because you have to take the metal bin out and you have to rinse it and wipe it down. Yeah. Like the whole metal bin that you dump the fries in, you know, that big metal bin that they scoop the fries out mm-hmm. of. So when it comes out of the fryer, out of the basket, it's dumped into that, that, into that big giant metal bin. Well, it, when someone says fries with no salt, you have to take that bin. You have to empty all the fries out, take that one bin away, rinse it, wipe it completely down, and then put it back just for the one batch of fries. Yes. See, I can't. I can't do that to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a pain in the ass. It's a total pain I in just, the ass. I just, I feel, I feel like such a dick. Yeah. Well, like such here's a, a dick. And no, that's cool. And that's the way you should feel. That's because you've worked in the service industry, Esmeralda. You know how it is. You know how, how p- people can be assholes. Yeah. You know that. But the thing is, just for future reference, if you don't want to make a special thing, go to, uh, go, go to McDonald's like in March and order filet of fish or like late February or whatever. You know what I mean? That's when you'll get they're they're most likely on a Friday, especially on a Friday. Go on a Friday. Yeah, churning, absolutely churning and burning. You want a exactly. <laughs> you want a good fillet of fish. Go in there early March on a Friday. You will get a good fillet of fish. That's get what I'm saying. Get there at ten. Ten oh one. Right. Like when That's does right. McDonald's? When does the breakfast? Eleven. End? Well, I don't know now. Okay. I think some of them are twenty four hours. Some of them you can get breakfast all the time. Well, you can get some breakfast. It's oh, not. I, it's I was limited, excited right? about that, but it's yeah. It's only like some things you can get oh, for the breakfast. Okay. I think you can get like a hash brown, and they'll do some of the the sandwiches. But you can't. It's not like you can get the, that whole like platter. <laughs> right. You can't get the big breakfast, as they call it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a couple of things. Usually, so that's what I something usually you could throw because it could, that's a pain in the ass too. It right? is. Like, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but it's something you could just like throw in the fryer. You know what I mean? Like you can throw hash browns in a fryer. That's no big deal. You know? Exactly. Like fries, yeah. hash brown, same thing. Yeah. But, you know, to be making pancakes. Right. <laughs> and they somebody. are, and they do make them. They're not, I, I will say, I don't know if it's changed, but like I've said in the past, uh, you know, at McDonald's, and I don't know if it's different now, at McDonald's, those were real eggs that we would crack. When we made scrambled eggs, it was not a mix. It was eggs that mm. we would scramble. They were real. We would crack eggs for everything. The egg McMuffins, the scrambled eggs, the pancakes, was, it was batter that we would mix. 
And it nice. was no, it was fresh shit. I mean, McDonald. I always say this: the sausage was frozen, and then it was thawed right. out. You know what I mean? So that that's mm-hmm. one thing. But and the hash browns obviously frozen; they were deep fried. But stuff like uh, egg, any egg product, egg McMuffin, scrambled eggs, those were real eggs that we cracked, and uh, and there there wasn't a mix; they weren't pre mixed. Same with the pancake; we would make the batter. You'd have to make the batter in the back. So. Ooh, yeah, that's why well. that's, that's why McDonald's breakfast kicks ass. It's like the real deal. You know? <laughs> so, and I will tell you this: I became a massive. You know, one of the hardest things to cook, and you're a cook, Esmeralda. One of the hardest things to cook that they that you know you test yourselves with, and that sh- even great chefs do, uh, is an omelet. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's it is it is a major test for any cook or chef. Like a major like a. Four-star chef, if you can't make an omelet, fuck off. And I'm not kidding when I say that the years that I worked at McDonald's uh, when, with the flat top of cracking real eggs and making all the... I learned how to cook eggs beautifully. Like, to this day, I cook badass eggs in every possible way. Well, and it's, look at you. And I think it's because I was 16 and I learned how to do all that shit at McDonald's. Thanks, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so the the fillet of fish was just it was it was okay. It was it, it did it bring back any memories? Did you have did you used to eat those when you were a kid? Is that what? No, I always I was a chicken sandwich uh, person. Ah, uh, the McChicken. Yeah, yeah. I never ate or the chicken nuggets. I yeah. actually never had burgers when I was growing up. I always got the chicken sandwich. You got the chicken stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The chi- the McChicken classic. Mm-hmm. And again, I was there when they introduced the McChicken. I was there during the glory days, Esmeralda. It was a new. It, it was a. It was, a, it new, was a new dawn. It was a new item. The the McChicken was a new item when I worked at McDonald's, and we were. Oh my God! Especially Jay, listen, we got to do the triple. Uh, uh, the triple McChicken, man. Oh boy! <laughs> so, hey, Did you my... ever do any kind of version of like a, a double down? The KFC, you know how no, they have the two we pieces did, of chicken. No, we didn't <laughs> ever did that. God, the double bread. down. Oh, the double down. What an invention. Oh, my God. Just like bacon I mean, and, oh, it's fucking delicious. And two pieces of chicken. That's your bun. <laughs> two deep fried pieces of chicken is your bun. Yeah, lots, lots of protein. I'll tell you what's Good the best, though. There. You know, you, you know what I like the most, though, Esmeralda, if we're talking like mm. KFC, is the fucking flavor bowl or the famous bowl or whatever the hell they're called. Where they just right. basically take everything and shove it all into one. Patton Oswald does a hilarious bit. Yeah, about he the refers to them bowl. as failure bowls. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, yeah, sadness. It's a big bowl of sadness is what he calls it, I think. But here's the thing. I did a whole riff on the flavor bowl when it first came out. This was pre-Patton Oswald. And my riff on I did it, on, the, I did it on, on my show one night, and it was like 10 minutes long. It was just me riffing on how much I loved. I, it was brand new. The famous bowl was brand new. Mm-hmm. And I had tried it, and I lost my mind. I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" Because it's all—it's corn, mashed potatoes, gravy, cheese, chicken—all in one bowl. Just yeah, eat it, perfect. and it's the—it's the greatest. And so I did this whole thing about how great it was. And then about six months later, Pat Oswald did his thing on how ne- on how much he hated it. And we used to play it back and forth <laughs> on my show uh, because it became like that rant that I did on the on the famous bowl because it happened out of nowhere. I went to the McDonald. I used to live by a, a KFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Andersonville, uh, there used to be a KFC right by the Jewel on Clark uh, in Thorndale. And I went in there one time and it just had these, and it was brand new. It wasn't advertised or anything. And they're like, we have these new things called Famous Bowls. I'm like, give me one of those. And it, my life changed. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted in my life. So I Did talked about it for like, dilate? oh my God, it was, yeah, it was Homer <laughs> Simpson. It was a Homer Simpson moment. 
And, uh, and I mentioned, and I remember my, my program director at the time was like, that was one of the funniest things you've ever done was this whole bit that you did on the Famous Bowl. So we played it oh, back right. a couple of times. And then Pat Oswald, it just, because great minds think alike is the way I like to think about it. Well, of course. And Pat Oswald did it, but his take was it's horrible. You know what I mean? And my take was it was <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, but those things are still unbelievable. I still love the Famous. Have you ever had a, the Flavor Flavor Famous Bowl or whatever the hell it's called? Uh, no. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special. I'm telling you. So. Now, you know that we were talking about the food marketing, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what about intentionally confusing menus? What? It says, mm. here's what they, here's how they describe it. I see if you've ever come across this, okay? Have you ever found yourself at a fast food counter panic, panicking in the face of a jumbled mess of burgers and nuggets trying to identify the item that you want before it winks out of existence? That's by design, to pressure you into just picking a random item, usually the one with the nice big picture, instead of making a careful decision. Fancier restaurants do this, too, with nonsense French words, french words that shame you into ordering stuff that you have no idea, even though you have no idea what it is. So menu intimidation. Hmm. Have you ever... Uh... Interesting. No. I mean... Yeah, mm, I don't know. Because, like... I just assume it's a word that describes something and I just don't know it. But I don't think, like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. This is too fancy for my blood. Like, yeah. I've never... I've never thought that way. I've just go, oh, it's some word, the word they use. I don't know. Yeah. And no, you find, I guess, I guess that's a, that's a, I guess that's a thing that some restaurants do use. I would imagine. I don't see it that much. Although fast food restaurants menus have changed so much over the years. Yeah. I could see it more like, like at a Starbucks. Oh yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I see that there more so than like super fancy restaurants. Mind you, I don't go to super fancy restaurants. Right. Um, yeah, but I could but, see it at like a Starbucks or maybe like if you're at a Whole Foods and you're in the food court area. Right. I could see that. Right. Um, the, and the uh, and maybe um, I don't know because they've got maybe a Panera. Does Panera do that? Do they have all kinds of weird shit sometimes on their menu board? Um, well, I feel like Panera is more of a like a of a every man's place. Like mm-hmm. they try to be casual and like down home yeah that's what it feels like yeah yeah like they're trying to be your friend they're just there like (laughs) hey come have a sandwich hi we're your friend (laughs) have a little sandwich hi hi how are you have a sandwich can you smell the the pastry can you smell the bread being baked right now? As you... Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, I'm and trying then to I think of in. like higher end places. And the higher end really... places are weird. Uh, but you know what else? I will say I will say this. Menus have gotten a lot more complicated now. You remember back in the day when you were a kid and at Burger, or, or Burger King or McDonald's had like 10 things on the menu. And that was it. Like you knew. You had, like like mm-hmm. Sinbad. Sinbad used to. And by the way, uh, positive vibes to, to Sinbad right now who's um, – Who's struggling? Like uh, had a stroke, and he's like, uh, "Oh no!" Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in kind of a bad way right now, but he's he's fighting mm-hmm. back. And I and I happen to be a huge fan of Sinbad. I unapologetically love Sinbad. I know I caught a lot of shit over the years for liking Sinbad, but I've always thought Sinbad was funny, always. But he had a bit years ago, like in the eighties, about being behind someone. And this is not an uncommon bit for comedy. It's not like mm-hmm. this is groundbreaking stand-up comedy. But the bit was you're stuck behind someone 
who's at McDonald's and it's taken them 15 minutes to order. You know what I mean? Like the oh, bit, yeah. The bit is, dude, you've been in McDonald's 700 times. How can you be struggling with this? Oh, no, for sure. I actually, actually, when I was in the line, so I had rented a car to go to my parents' house. and For Thanksgiving. Uh, that night, yes, that night I picked it up was when I went to the McDonald's and I went to the drive-thru. It was taking forever yeah. for whoever was up front uh, to order. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing yep. because I'm just like, oh, maybe there's like a delay or whatever. They're waiting, whatever. But the thing is, after them, we were all flying through. Yeah. No, there's <laughs> just like, what do you and, need? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's McDonald's. The thing is, though, to be fair, though, the McDonald's menu has become extensive now. Like when I was a kid, there were like literally seven things on the menu and that's it. Yeah, but the thing is, we all know what they all are. Exactly. Like it's not yeah. hard. <laughs> Even if there is something different, it's like, oh, that one's got bacon now. Cool. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something like, oh, tell me about the Big Mac with the whatever. Please, no. Yeah, just, please, please. The Big Mac with barbecue sauce. Like That's just... all it is. It's all it is. Please tell me about the culinary difference between the bacon double cheeseburger and the, you know, I like, fuck off. It's exactly. a McDonald's. Exactly. Um, but I mean, but the bit that when when Sinbad used to do it, the bit was even funnier because literally there were six things on the menu. You know what I mean? Like he, he, it, that's it. And like Sinbad's bit was, how do you not? It's <laughs> like either get a quarter pounder, a Big Mac, or a cheeseburger. That's it. Get the fuck out of the way if you don't, you know, if you don't know what you're ordering. <laughs> um, what about this? How about menu animation? How about this one, Esmeralda? Companies like McDonald's even use animation specifically to direct your eyes away from the cheaper items which is how you end up ordering a $12 burger when you walked in to get something simple like nuggets. So there's animation and wacky shit that makes your eyes dart away from the cheap stuff. Yeah, I could see that. They, um, so at my McDonald's, it's not really like it's animation, but it's not like, hey, look at me. I, <laughs> whatever, look at this way. Yeah. It's more they just they keep flipping the damn menu Yep. so fast, and it's yep. like digitally moving. Yep. Um, that you can't uh, like see properly the cheaper menu, which is what the dollar, dollar now, $2, $4 well, menu. Now. And now you don't order to a human anymore. There's kiosks. Oh, I go now. through the kiosk. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. No, I don't eat. Well, you know, <laughs> you and Esmeralda, that's, you and I are the same. You know what I mean? We are exactly the same in that regard. The less human contact I have with the world, the happier I am. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And these kiosks are awesome because you could just go boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. And then they call your number and you go and pick up your goddamn food. You don't have to worry. You know what I mean? You don't have to talk to anybody. That's it. And that's the thing now. Now you got the kiosks. Now they've cut out the, it's, you know, it's gotten to the point now where you don't even have to, you don't even have to talk to anybody. You walk up, hit up, hit the thing on the kiosk, grab your food and get out. Uh, so recently I actually just saw this and I'm just like, why you're, you're just a butthole. Uh, it's a viral video that showed up of a uh, – it's a confrontation between a McDonald's customer and an employee who redirected them to use a kiosk. And apparently they got mad and called for the manager, and then the employee got sent home because of it. Oh. Like, wow. why would you want – I'm just like, why? okay. If you want to stand here and wait while I'm, it's not like they weren't. So they weren't not doing anything. Like they were helping somebody else. Of course they were. Yeah, of course they were. 
And then they got they so they were like being sent to the kiosk. It's like just go to the stupid kiosk. Like, what do you yeah. need to talk some to people, somebody? Some people just don't like that shit. Like, uh, some people are like, uh, you know, and I, I guess I kind of fall under that umbrella, but I, I'm willing to learn. But some people are very anti-tech and and don't. But also, want it's that. a thing of like, if you want to stand here for another ten minutes while yeah. I help these people, right? Sure, go because, ahead. I guess because the key, you know, everything, and you can see on the screen now when you go into a McDonald's or you go into a fast food place. They have the orders that are up on the screen in order of which they are serving them. And most of them are kiosk orders, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. walk up there, you look up at the screen, you're going to see that there are about seven orders in front of you because people smartly went to the kiosk. So you have to wait. So there's, you know, it's not like it's, you know, like it's going to, that's going to miracle, you know, in some sort of miracle is going to happen, you know? Exactly. But, I don't know. Well, um, all right. Well, let's let's taste test some stuff. Now, you you still have lost your little thing, your little nugget of Japanese goodness. Yeah, I have no idea where it went. <laughs> well, here's what it is. The the it's a little uh, little cake that's called the Snow Skin Moon Cake from Wa- Wagashi. Mm. It's a Snow Skin Moon Cake, and it's white, and it looks like a it does look like a like a snowflake of some kind. And there's one Japanese word on it, and I did the Google translation on it, and the word is blessing. Yeah, so mooncakes are um, they're uh, traditionally eaten during the mid-autumn festival. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like for this festival, like they make wherever you are for the festival, they, that, that's like the, the tradition. You get to oh, eat a moon these cake. little cakes. Okay. Yes. All right, well, I'll try so it. Then I, is... So then, like, the thing with, like, blessing and all that kind of stuff is just, you know, usually these festivals are all about, like, happier positivity, for, positivity for happier and... times and things right. like that. So Okay, well, they're wishing me a blessing, and this is a snowskin moon cake, and it's white. So here we go. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, No. Oh. Also, mind you, this is a this is a prepackaged. Usually, you can find mooncakes at like the Chinese bakeries yeah. or Asian bakeries, right. and this, yeah, they're like. Fresh. If this came from a bakery, it came from a bakery three months ago. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's less fresh than the fillet of fish that somebody ordered five hundred oh, years boy. ago. Um, there's really no flavor to it. it. It is white, and it's like it is. I'm not. I'm not kidding, Esmeralda. It's like it's like chewing a piece of styrofoam. Ooh, nasty. You're you're lucky. Whoever took it's not going to enjoy it. Whoever took it from you. <laughs> so if your cat, what's your cat's name again? Jake. Jake. So Jake's not going to. Jake's going to be like, what the hell did I steal off of Esmeralda's desk? This is terrible. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, what? Okay. Now we can both taste test this. Describe what we have in yes. front of us. So this is um, uh, so well, it's candy. Uh, and it's well, no, because like that thing's not candy. The thing you no. ate—that's more yeah, like you're a right. cookie, right? No, 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 no. And you know what? You're, yes, of course you're right in saying that because the, some of the stuff that we've tasted is not candy. It's snacks, and we had corn items and barbecue flavor stuff. You're right. Yes, it is candy. Yes. Exactly. Right. God, I'm a jag. So this I'm is sorry. this is. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. God damn it, Nick. Okay, there you there go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so this is. Candy, but it's um, from what I can tell, it is a soda pop holding a <laughs> lollipop, right. and then soda shooting out of the top of, of his, his of his head. head, which is the bottle. The neck of the bottle is his head. Yes, and so he's like back, a bottle they, of pop. Yeah. Yes, on the back they do have instructions, <laughs> and it's like a lick of made. I, I didn't even. 
I didn't even see the back of this. You didn't see it? He's like, hey, no. he's like telling you what to do. Oh my god, he's so fucked up. He's is this is are we about to have meth? Because it looks like <laughs> does, it's just prepackaged meth. Doesn't the Don't third be scared of the prepackaged meth? Doesn't the third one look like he like he just dipped it into meth? Look at his face. Look at his eyes. Yeah. He's excited. So are we going to lose our shit now if we try this? Is that what's going to happen? Our Maybe. brains are going to explode? I'm sure it'll be fun. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. So the actual name is Pine Pine Sherbet Perro Lollipop. Right. And um, what I, so uh, looking it up, I believe that this is Ramune flavor, which Ramune is a soda. If I'm sure you've seen them at Asian markets. There's one yeah. with the little ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like if you turn it over, so the original flavor is like a, a bubble gum pop, right? Bubble gum candy flavor. So, right. I'm assuming this might be that. Okay. They also have cola and like other flavors. This one, the, I believe one this of, one is one of the uh, the translations of the Japanese uh, phrases on the package that I did when I translated it on the Google said sparkling miracle powder, which of course is mm-hmm. meth. Mm-hmm. It's meth. Yeah. It's meth. And then it said cider. So there might be a cider flavor to it? Maybe. So maybe the powder, because I think the the pop the lollipop itself is ramen right. flavor. It does smell okay. like gum. It does. Okay, so and this is so like I'm, what 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 are we what are we comparing it to? The lick a stick lipum lickum dickum? What's it? What, 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 yeah. What do they call lick I don't know which dick? ones you're buying, but <laughs> lick a dick, lick and stick. What's it uh, where you dip it? Uh, you the lickamades. Lickamade, right. Lick a dick. Or no, dip, it's called lick a dick. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know which ones you're buying, but <laughs> it was very late at night when I bought mine, so I don't know. Um, I okay. see. All right. So have you tried oh, it? The, you... the lollipop itself does taste like bubblegum. So it's that Ramune flavor. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, we tasted this before. And then... Definitely. Now we'll the dip powder. it into the meth. So in the, the website I found, it says it's going to be like sour and bubbly candy powder. Okay. So maybe it's like Pop Rock-esque. Here we go. That's why I had, you know... Ooh. Ooh. Jesus. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, I like that. It's super, it's super tart. It's very tart. It's very good. It's got a kick to it. It is like mm-hmm. meth. <laughs> mm. My Ooh. eyes are bugging out like I'm, like this dude. Can we, we yeah, need to go, take? Can you take I'm a picture? Go clean my complete my complete bathroom right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this. By the way, Esmeralda, can you take a picture of the third uh, picture on the back? Oh, of the. Of the dude, um, of the I bottle. I unfortunately dude. ripped t- off okay. half of its head. <laughs> okay, well, I ripped up above. I'll take a picture because I, I, I ripped above it. So, um, okay, I will take a picture of what happens after you eat this. You, you look like you're about to. Your eyes are bugging out and your brains are exploding. But it's quite nice. I yeah, like this one. Yeah, very good. Hmm. Yeah, very good. And and again, it's very very tart. <laughs> the powder is very very tart. It's very similar to the Licamade thing. Mm-hmm. But very tasty and very, very, and it's got a nice kick to it. I enjoy it. Although this one I like because the lollipop has flavor. Mm. Usually those liquids, right. it's just like a sugar stick. Right. It's just a <laughs> stick. Right. And if the stick doesn't have any flavor and you've got to mm-hmm. lick the shit out of it in order to get that. Well, Jesus, it's a good thing we don't do the straight out of context anymore. <laughs> so, all right, cool. All right. So that's it. We, we, the, it well, I say, well, well actually, um, a big fat no on the uh, snow skin moon cake 
I don't care if they if they gave me a blessing. I don't give a shit about the blessing. <laughs> it was not good. Who but knows? The, Maybe I might find it. And if I do, I'll, I'll let you yeah, know. Yeah, please but let me know what you think. I think but it's the pine, gone to the ether. <laughs> but the, where it belongs, quite frankly. The pine sherbet, <laughs> puro stick, candy, cider taste, sparkling, miracle powder, meth, amphetamine. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do another taste Just test next time. Just enough drugs in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I feel like, okay. yeah, man, let's go to McDonald's right now. We're on meth. Let's go to McDonald's and order a bunch of specials. <laughs> uh I like, um... What were you going to say? Uh, there is reviews for this candy, and someone said, I finished my lollipop and dumped the rest of that powder in my mouth. <laughs> oh, my God! So... That person has a problem. Someone went on a bender. Yeah, that person has a... I got a number. I can I can help them out. I know people. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, I Carrie. love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, well, look at this. Ooh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Yeah. Here we go. All right. My dad uh, joins us every Tuesday to tell a joke, as he's been doing for many years. By the way, uh, Esmeralda, we will pick out two more items of Japanese uh, snacks to taste test next time. Yes. So uh, we will taste test those. Uh, But uh, so far, the majority of the stuff that we've tasted, pretty good, I will say. Yeah, quite nice. All right. All right, are you ready for my dad's joke? Yes. All right, Dad, hit it. Wife said, what are you doing? You've been reading a marriage certificate for over an hour. Husband said, I'm searching... If there's any ex- expiration date. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. I always love it when my dad tells bad marriage jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. My, my parents have been married this year 60 years. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, and my dad still tells. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know how they did it. I've been married twice. Both of them lasted a total of five. <laughs> um, but yeah, my parents sixty years, and my dad tells jokes like that. And my mom just rolls her eyes. You're like, oh god, I've been with this guy for sixty years. You know, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he'll tell another joke next Tuesday. And uh, Esmeralda, thank you. You rule. We'll do another taste test coming up this uh, Friday. Yeah, and thank you. Very special. Are you ready? Are you prepared for who's going to be on with us on Friday's show? Who? It is all the way from Britannia um, in his submarine, oh. making making a return engagement to now married Slap Slapley. Mm-hmm. Slap Slapley will be with us on, uh, on Friday's show. Very exciting. Catch up with him. We'll hear the stories, how his wedding was and the, his marriage mm-hmm. and and we'll play some music trivia and a lot more. So slap slaply. Uh, it's been a long time, but he will be back with us on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. And we hope you'll be back too. You want to be a sponsor? Contact us and say, I want to buy some ads. Sales at radiomisfits.com. You can be a part of the Nick D podcast with questions and uh, you know, anything, contributions, megaphone messages, although I'm a little behind on those right now. 
Leave your <laughs> leave your voicemails at 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Ed, everybody at radiomisfits.com. Uh, check out all the podcasts there. Jason Skaggs, my friend, thank you for all the music and the themes. And my thanks to Esmeralda. And we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is right on me.